Welcome to Redeemer Church. Today is the first Sunday of the Advent season, which is the first Sunday of the new liturgical year of the church. If you are a church person, that means that the church calendar starts today. And the Advent season is a time to prepare our hearts and our minds to celebrate that anniversary of Christ coming into our world. And as you can see, the church is decorated. Thank you to almost all of you were here last week to do that. So thank you so much um, for, for being here to do that. Um, that was awesome. We have our Advent wreath up here at the altar area, and um, we're going to light a candle this week. All of these things we use in church have a whole lot of symbolism to it, so let me briefly explain some of it. The wreath that we use at Christmas time, the symbolism of that is, is a everlasting, eternal relationship. So, that, so a wreath symbolizes the eternity of God, um, the immortality of the human soul, and the everlasting life we find in Christ. The four candles of the Advent wreath symbolize the four Sundays of Advent, and um, we will be lighting one candle each Sunday. The color purple symbolizes the expectation we feel as we read the gospel stories of the birth of Christ, and I know one of them is pink or rose-colored. And the center candle is white, which is lit on Christmas Eve. Sometimes it's called the Christ candle. Um, all of all of those things have specific meaning, and we'll go through all those each week. But today we're going to light one candle, and I'm going to invite you to participate that in that in a few minutes when we get there. Um, but I pray that, that this season, as we move into Advent, which Advent means the coming of Christ, the preparation for the season, that you would be spending time with your family and your friends and just enjoying the season and everything that it brings in your life. And I pray that, that as we light the candles throughout our worship time, that it would be meaningful to you. Um, let's pray together. Oh God, you love the world so much that you sent your son, Christ, to reveal the extent of your love for us. We come into this place of worship. We ask that you would prepare our hearts and our lives today, that as we approach you, we ask that you would prepare our hearts to be reverent, to receive all that you have for us. It's in the name of your son and our savior, Jesus the Christ, that we pray. And everyone said, Amen. I want to welcome you again to Redeemer Church. My name is Beth, and I volunteer here. Uh, we're starting a new series for uh, teaching. We are, aren't we? Oh, yeah, we are. <laughs> and uh, Pastor Tim is going to tell us about that. Yeah, today we're starting a new teaching series. What are, your ex what are you expecting this Christmas? And um, today, as we begin this journey, um, we're going to look at... A couple of different passages, but, but mostly we're going to be talking about missing Christmas and how oftentimes we, we get to the end of the Christmas season and, and we miss Christmas. It's not like it didn't happen. It's just we get to the end of the season and it's like we missed something. And we're going to be looking at what are the three reasons why we as people of faith and, and people who have experienced the same story over and over and over again tend to just tone it out phase it out and not live Christmas out each year. And so as we explore that today, we're going we're gonna to find that the three things that we need to do in our lives is we need to stop, we need to look, and we need to listen. And we're going to be looking through some of the classic story of Christmas, and, and I'm not going to read it all to you because we've heard it all before. That's kind of the point. We've heard the Christmas story so many times that it's become routine, it's become mundane, it's become all too familiar in our lives. So have you ever sat back on Christmas 
maybe Christmas evening, and your belly's full, belt loop or two out, the trash has been taken out, overflowing, and uh, the sink is empty because somebody has gracefully, gracefully done all the dishes. Um, half the family is taking a nap. And thought to yourself that um, something's not right. I just don't feel like um, I should, like I missed it. Like, I should feel happy right now, but I'm not. Like, uh, like I missed something in all of this. Like, this, this whole Christmas season thing is supposed to be, you know, joy and, and love and, and hope and, and peace. I mean, that's what those candles up there are supposed to represent. And, and uh, I don't feel that way right now. I feel all burned out, tired, exhausted, and, and I'm fearful of that credit card debt that's going to come in the mail. That bill is going to be, I hope my wife doesn't see it before I do. i got to get start checking the mail. I feel sad, like I missed it, like I missed something, like there was something about this season, like I was excited on December 1st when the season started, you know, that first day on December 1st when they just started playing Christmas carols on the radio on the 1st of December when they started playing the Christmas carols on the radio. Something happened, though. I lost it. I missed it. I can tell you what happened. I missed it. We missed Christmas. I mean, you can't really miss Christmas. I mean, like, well, you can. Barring some, like, unforeseen, like, happenstance to your life where, like, it ends, you know, unfortunately. That, that's a one way to miss Christmas, but that's not what I mean. I mean, we, we miss the point of it. So, you know, we miss the reason for the season. You know, we, we fumble the ball at the one-yard line of the big game, right? We miss it. Um, we, uh, we don't get the punchline of the joke, right? We miss it, and someone has to explain it to us. Um, we, we miss it. We, we fall asleep on the beach, and we get a sunburn instead of seeing the sunset over Lake Michigan. We, we miss it. I'm running out of examples. But you get it. We, we miss the point. We miss the point. We miss the reason for the season. We miss, we miss the reason that we're celebrating Christmas. Have you ever missed the point? There are a couple of reasons why we miss the reason, and we're prone to missing the point of Christmas the reason we miss the Christ in Christmas. And if you're a, if you're a note taker like, like I am, there's a, there's a message notes in your worship folder that I invite you to take out. It looks like that. There's, there's only three this morning because there are three reasons we miss Jesus in this season. We're going to go through those this morning. The first reason that we miss Jesus in this season is that our lives are too full. And honestly, you know, I mean, I'm not telling you anything new or anything you don't already know, um, but sometimes it's helpful to hear things that we already know. Sometimes, honestly, um, overcommitted lives dominate 
Our culture is, is just prone to this. It's, it's what's become of our culture, but in truth, it's kind of the way it's always been. Um, you know, it's not like past generations didn't live overcommitted lives, that our parents didn't work too hard. My grandparents didn't work too hard. Gender roles didn't play into, into it. You know, it's not like, it's not like overcommitted lifestyles didn't go back thousands of years. You know, um, people have missed Jesus for the sake of overcommitted lives and busy schedules and a missed focus on what's truly important in life for millennia. There's nothing new. I want you to think about the, the story of, of Christmas. And, and I'll give you just some pieces and parts of it because we've all heard it before. Um, I'm going to assume we've all heard it before, and if not, I'll give you like the Charlie Brown Christmas special, and Linus has a really good spot in the middle of it, and he can tell you all about what Christmas is all about. Um, but think about Mary and Joseph as they arrived in Bethlehem looking for a place to stay. The city was crowded because the Romans imposed a census, and people were required to return to their birthplace to be counted. So every, everyone was in town. Everyone went home. Every inn, every home, every spare room was full. People's lives and schedules were full. And, and, and here's the thing. The, the lives and schedules were full of good things. Good things. Great things. Families for taking in relatives. Right? Kind of like Thanksgiving. Come on, you stay at my house. We've got a spare room. Generously making room for people. Multitudes of people. People's lives were full of good and gracious and generous things. It's not like people were being mean and, and, and doing hurtful things. They were full of good and good intention things. I find it fascinating and interesting that, that doing good things and, and morally right things and caring and merciful acts and ethical things in this world have no bearing whatsoever on our connection with God or His Son in the Christmas story. I don't know if that fascinates you, but it fascinates me. Because I can't tell you how many people I've talked to that say, well, he's a good person. They do good things. I don't know if you know anybody like that or not. But it didn't matter. They still missed it. They still missed Jesus, no matter how many good things they did. See, we often miss Jesus because our lives are just too full or too busy, whether it's good things or bad things in our life. Just like the people in Bethlehem, we're often too busy, whether it's good and gracious things that we're doing or, or not. I mean, like we're caring for our family and we're taking care of our friends, but those good things in our lives can, can keep us from experiencing the one who brings us hope and light in the world. Yes, family's important. Yes, friends are good. Yes, work is good. Yes, hard work is honorable. Yes, food can be very good. Giving to others is good. And yes, church is good. Singing Christmas carols can be good. Baking Christmas cookies can be exceptionally good. They go very good right here. They all fit very well and very good into this season. Our lives are filled with an overabundance of good things. But these good things can often overwhelm and distract us and and then we run the risk of missing the whole reason, the whole point of the season, which is, despite our culture's efforts to tell us differently, it's, it's still Jesus. I, did, I know I said his name. He who shall not be named. Jake and I are reading Harry Potter right now. It's Jesus, not Voldemort. 
You can fill your life with as many good things as you want. As many as you want. As many as you can get your hands on. But if you miss the one, the one who brings light and hope into your life, it doesn't matter how much good you fill your life with, you're going to end up empty and disappointed when it's all over. You're going to end up sitting in your old leather recliner after Christmas with the trash taken out and the sink empty, wondering what went wrong and why, why you missed it. Sometimes we miss Jesus at Christmas because our lives are too full. The second reason that we miss Jesus this season is that the story of God coming to earth as a child in Bethlehem, little baby Jesus, is just too familiar. It's too familiar. We've heard the same story of Jesus' birth over and 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 over over again. I mean, how many times have you heard the story? How many times can a preacher tell the same story again and again and again and make it interesting? I tell you, not one more time. I'm not even going to try. You know, I've seen it, you've heard it in church, you've seen it on TV, you've seen Charlie Brown do it, you've seen it in cartoons, you've seen it in plays, we've even done it with puppets. We've done it with cartoons. I even saw a YouTube video with little Lego people doing it. Little Lego, Lego Jesus. If you can think of it, someone's done it and you can probably find it on YouTube. How many times can that little drummer boy hit that little drum, pa-rum-pum-pum-pum, before we're going to scream and pull our hair out and just cry out, I'm, I'm tired of it. Like, just honestly, just be honest. Were you done with Christmas carols by Thanksgiving? Mindy, no. <laughs> she wants more. She probably, is she, does she probably start some like in June, July, all year long. Jeez. It's been said that familiarity breeds contempt. And while contempt might be too intensive a word for how we feel about the story of Jesus' birth, we, we often find ourselves becoming complacent. Our familiarity with the story causes us to miss, out the, reason, miss the reason for the season. And that's true um, for us with Jesus' birth and his story of his coming into the earth. But it's also true of the people who were alive when Jesus was born. Because 2,000 years ago, plus or minus some, some years, some people missed Jesus because they were overly familiar with the story too. It was a little bit different story though. They were overly familiar with the story of the Messiah. See, when the wise men from the east, you remember, the wise men, not necessarily three, but the wise men that came from the east, you know, saw this star in the sky, and so they journeyed to Jerusalem, and they asked where the Messiah was to be born. But not everyone made that journey. This is what it says in Matthew 2, verses 3 through 5. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, the news that the Messiah had been born. As was everyone in Jerusalem. So everyone's disturbed. There's a Messiah that's been born. Everyone's, hey, y'all, y'all, hey, y'all, are disturbed. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law and asked, where is this Messiah supposed to be born? Nowhere in the Gospels, nowhere in Matthew then, does it go on to tell us that these same religious leaders and priests and teachers of religious law packed up their bags and traveled anywhere 
to find this newborn king. Do you ever wonder why? Why didn't anyone go looking besides those wise men? If you were, um, let's just say hypothetically, if you were a leading priest, teacher of religious law, wise guy person in Jerusalem, and your Messiah was supposedly born, and someone said, we saw all these signs, and there's that new star in the sky. You see it? Yep, there it is. I see it. Yep, there it is. You see it too. Everyone sees it. We all see it. Everyone in town is disturbed. Not the band, but we're just all mentally confused now. Would you sit at home and say, yep, this is disturbing. I'm just going to go about my business. Or would you get up and go figure out what's going on? What would you do about it? They didn't do anything. Bear in mind, the Old Testament says the baby's going to be born in Bethlehem. Bethlehem is six miles away from Jerusalem. It's less than a two-hour walk by, Hebron, by the Hebron Road. So we're not talking about like a three-day trip on foot across rough terrain. We're talking about a less than a two-hour walk one way. You could have been there and back again, a hobbit's tail, and half a day. Yep, there's the baby. I'm home again by lunch. Not one person went to check it out. Why? Why? They didn't go because the story of the promised Messiah had become too familiar to them that it didn't seem real to them anymore. <laughs> I'm not going to be a promised Messiah. You guys are crazy. Messiah's not coming. They didn't believe the story anymore because they'd heard it for so long that they didn't believe it anymore. It had no power. It didn't mean anything. It was too familiar. They heard it over and over and over and over again, and it didn't mean anything to them anymore. And that's the same danger that we face today because we hear the story of Jesus' birth so many times that it's so familiar that it doesn't speak to us anymore either. We all know about Mary and Joseph and the stable and the manger and the eh, Mary and Joseph and the stable and the manger and the wise men and the sheep and the cows because obviously there were cows and the, the little shepherd with the, the, the sheep on his shoulders because we all know that shepherds were children and not grown stinky men. We know the story, we sing the carols, but we don't necessarily know Jesus. We know all about the baby and the birth but we don't know about the reality of God, God himself, the creator of the universe, all of the stars, all of the cosmos, extending beyond what Hubble can see. All of reality as we understand it and comprehend it. God, the infinite, coming to us in human form, living our lives taking away our sin so that we can know him doesn't speak to us the same way anymore because we're too preoccupied. And it's, often, it's even harder for those of us who grew up in the church. This story that we've heard for our whole lives and sometimes it just doesn't even inspire us at all like it once did. It's like watching Charlie Brown Christmas the first time versus watching Charlie Brown Christmas the 60th time. It just doesn't do it for me anymore. I fall asleep now. 
I, I, I wake up at the end. Do, 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 do. Oh, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, I love it. Mm. It's a good nap now for me. We miss the presence and power of God in the season because we're too familiar of it. And instead, since we're so familiar of it, we, we, we put priorities on other things. We put priorities on like decorations, on traditions, events. We say things like, it's not Christmas unless this happens. It's not Christmas unless we do that one thing. It's not Christmas unless that happens. The danger for those of us who followed Jesus for years is that all the stories of God can become too familiar. And we, when we start hearing a story, <laughs> we, we just tune out. We, we, we say, you know, oh, I know that one. I wonder how PW did this week. We miss God trying to meet us in the moment. So we miss Jesus in the season because, one, the story's too familiar, and two, our lives are too full. And three, the third reason we miss Jesus in the season is that our hearts are too empty, too empty of hope. Our hearts are too empty of hope. How many people in Israel at the time Jesus was born had just given up hope that the Messiah would even come? That the Messiah would even come to save them at all? How many people had just given up hope that God would even hear their cries for help anymore, hear the cry that, that he loved them anymore? And the same is true for us. How many of us today, I wonder, have given up as well? When our relationships completely fall apart, it's hard, it's truly hard to have hope that a God of love can actually heal or be able to hold a relationship together. When sickness seems to invade and prevail in our lives, it's hard to have hope that, that a God of healing and life is really able to help us. When, when the world seems dark and divided, it's hard to have hope that a God of peace can make a difference in our life, in our world. Sometimes we, we miss Christmas because, and we miss Jesus because we are completely empty and void of hope. We're too full, we're too familiar, we're too empty. That's why we often get to the end of Christmas and realize that we missed the most significant part, the most significant event in history. So how do we make sure that that doesn't happen? What's the answer to full lives, familiar stories, and empty heart and empty hearts? Well, the answer is first to stop. We have to stop. How can we do less in this season and create time and space to meet with Jesus? Can we take one thing out of our schedules, just one thing to make room in our hearts and our homes for God to enter in? Can we learn to say no to something in order to say yes to God and to better things? Doing less and saying no requires learning how to set the right priorities because for most of us, our lives are really full of good things. It's not like a choice between say no to this awful, horrible thing that you do and say yes to this great, wonderful thing that you do. You could do. It's choosing which good thing you're not going to do so that you can choose a great thing for you in your relationship with God. Remember, it's not a problem 
of bad and good. It's a problem of having too many good things piled up. There are many things that we need to keep in our schedules. And there are some things we need to add in. Let me ask you, what are the things that you say no to first? We all say no to something first. When you get tired or your schedule just seems to be overwhelming, what do you say no to first? This is rhetorical. You don't have to say it out loud. One of the places that I've noticed folks saying no to first is is anything related to faith. It's the easiest to drop because we don't want to drop work. That's usually the last. We drop our faith. Then we drop our family. Then we drop our friends. Then we drop our work. not necessarily the way I would say God would have it be. I see people dropping life groups, church activities, volunteering, reading their Bibles, being devoted to their families. Skipping these things when we're busy might open our schedules up, but it will also take away time, those times and places where we are most open to experiencing Christ in our lives. So we need to learn how to set the prior, our priorities right and to evaluate our activities. So we just have to ask ourselves, does this thing, does this one thing bring us closer to God? Do the things we've committed our time to and our attention to provide us an opportunity to meet with Jesus? Is anything that I have put priority on growing my faith? No one can answer that but you. Not everyone missed Jesus, though, when he was born. Two people met him and even got to hold the little baby Jesus. Simeon and Anna. They were faithful servants of God who spent most of their time in the temple. In other words, they never missed church, even on a snow day. Like you all, thank you for being here on a horrible snowy day. They, they set church as a priority for various different reasons, and they, and they were there when Mary and Joseph brought Jesus to the temple to be dedicated. I want to share their story with you. It goes like this. Eight days later, so eight days after Christ was born, when the baby was circumcised, he was named Jesus, and the name that was given by the angel even before he was conceived. Then it was time for the purification offering as required by the law of Moses after the child was born. So his parents took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. The law of the Lord said, if a woman's first child is a boy, he must be dedicated to the Lord. So they offered the sacrifice required in the law of the Lord, either a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. At that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout and was eagerly awaiting for, um, eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. That day, the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord, as the law required, Simeon was there. He took the child in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace. As you have promised, I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. 
He is the light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people Israel. Jesus' parents were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them, and he said to Mary, the baby's mother, this child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall and many others to rise. He has been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. As a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your very soul. Anna, a prophet, was also there in the temple. She was the daughter of Phanel uh, the, from the tribe of Asher, and she was very old. Her husband died when they had been married only seven years. Then she lived as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, but stayed there day and night, worshiping God with fasting and prayer. She came along just as Simeon was talking with Mary and Joseph, and she began praising God. She talked about the child to everyone who had been waiting expectantly for God to rescue Jerusalem. When Jesus' parents had fulfilled all the requirements of the law of the Lord, they returned home to Nazareth in Galilee, where the child grew healthy and strong. He was filled with wisdom, and God's favor was on him. God's favor was on him. Not everyone missed Jesus. Simeon was in the temple. He was there. He made it a priority to go. He listened for the Holy Spirit. It said that Simeon was led by the Spirit. Anna lived in the temple. I'm not recommending you live here. That would be kind of weird. No showers, I know, but putting priority on your faith. If Anna and Simeon didn't do that and weren't open and listening to God, they would have missed him too. They would have missed Jesus. There are many things we might need to remove from our schedules, and, and learning to say no is essential. But we can't do it haphazardly. We have to do it faithfully and to make sure that we, we put ourselves in those places where God can meet us. Once, once we stop and create some time and space, we can start looking and listening for God. So let's look at the wise men for just a second. The wise men were looking at the skies, which is why they saw the star. They, they looked for this new king, which is why they finally found Christ and, and why his mother, his mother in Bethlehem. Scripture promises that, that if we look for God, will find him. In Jeremiah 29, we find God saying this, if you look for me wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly to me is the key word, you will find me. I will be found by you, says the Lord. When we look for God, we will find him. And, and it, in this Christmas season, let me, let me give you a few suggestions on, on where to look. Under the Christmas tree with all the presents. That's sarcasm. Don't write that down. Look in his word. Look in the Bible. Pick it up and read it. You may want to commit to reading the Bible every day. Um, one easy way to do that is to start today reading in the Gospel of Luke, a chapter a day. and You'll have it read by Christmas. You can read a devotion as a family. Do an Advent wreath together. Do an Advent calendar together. Find a devotion online. Use, use the Bible app on your phone or on your tablet. Commit to being in worship each week. Here's something really wild and crazy that I may regret saying. Listen to religious Christmas music in the car. 
I know, I don't, I, I dog on Christmas music, but the, the fact is, is the wise men were looking and the shepherds were listening in the story, right? The shepherds heard the angels singing over the hills in Bethlehem. And when they heard the angels singing, they reacted and they, they, they moved and they acted. As a, as a, a Methodist, as a Wesleyan, we were always, the Methodists were always known as the singing theologians, that they, they, were, they were singers. They always sang what they believed, mainly because we didn't know how to read. But, you know, <laughs> but it was, we, we, we sang. It was a part of our culture. You know, 200 years ago, the, the Methodist movement, we were singers, and we sang what we believed. But it was a big deal um, in the Methodist, early Methodist movement. But it's not just listening to the music, it's doing something because of it. So if you're going to listen to the music, can you not just listen to the music, but actually take some time to respond to what it's saying? Can you listen to a song that says, peace on earth, goodwill toward men? And like the shepherds, not just listen to it, but become agents of peace in the world toward the people around you? Can, can you listen to the voices that, that say, go tell it on the mountain? And actually, don't go up on a mountain because there are none near here, but like, go out to the world around you and, and be agents of peace to the people around you and, and tell people about the importance of the hope that he brings into the world. Because that's what those songs should be doing in our lives. They should be inspiring us to live out our faith, not just giving us ideas for parodies. Stop, look, and listen. This is the answer to being too busy and feeling like the story is too familiar. The answer to being empty of hope is to open our hearts to what we see and hear. When we slowly start to see Jesus and when we hear God's message of love and grace, we know that we are not forgotten and that we are not alone in this life, that the God of love is, is here, Emmanuel, God with us. He hears the cries of our hearts and he reaches out to each of us with love and he desires nothing more than to just be in relationship with us. And so my prayer for, for you this season, this, this Christmas season, is that you don't miss it. That you don't miss Christmas. You, that you stop doing so much and you start being this season. I like to say, and people don't understand this, but it makes sense in my head, so I'm going to say it. I like to tell people that we're human beings, not human doings. And I hope you understand that, because it makes sense to me, but a lot of people don't get it. We're human beings, not human doings. Stop doing so much and start being more of who God has called you to be. Listen to the story with fresh ears and an open mind. Open your heart to the hope and the joy that comes with God coming to earth in Christ. Start today, right now. Or you may find yourself on Christmas Day thinking once again that you missed it, that you missed the whole point. And that would be really sad. Because no one wants to miss Christmas. Again. Because we've all missed it before. Gracious God, I ask that you would bless each one of us here today. That you would work in our hearts and lives. That we wouldn't miss your son, Jesus, this year. Give us the power to pause in our lives, to say no to the non-essential so that we can say yes to you. 
Open our eyes to see your glory around us as we enter into the season of celebration of, your, of you entering this world. As we listen to your voice, warm our hearts that we would never miss your reasons for the season. It's in the name of your Son and our Savior, Jesus the Christ, that we pray. And everyone said, Amen.